welcome to The Catholic Perspective, a podcast brought to you by rcspirituality.org. Enjoy the episode. Liturgically, New Year's Day always falls within the Christmas season. And since New Year's Day always gives people a sense of optimism and a fresh start, the Church has dubbed it the World Day of Peace. Ever since 1968, popes have used the occasion to preach about Catholic social doctrine, the Christian vision of how to promote healthy, peaceful, and prosperous societies. In 1969, Pope Paul VI restored the ancient Roman practice of celebrating on January 1st a liturgical solemnity honoring Mary as the Mother of God. In his apostolic letter on Marian devotion, he made a connection between these two dimensions of how the Church welcomes the new year. He wrote, The restored solemnity of Mary, the Holy Mother of God, is likewise a fitting occasion for renewing adoration of the newborn Prince of Peace, for listening once more to the glad tidings of the angels, and for imploring from God, through the Queen of Peace, the supreme gift of peace. It is for this reason that, in the happy concurrence of the octave of Christmas and the first day of the year, we have instituted the World Day of Peace, an occasion that is gaining increasing support and already bringing forth fruits of peace in the hearts of many. In their annual speeches for the World Day of Peace, the popes have addressed a dizzying array of social topics, from nuclear weapons to abortion to protecting the environment and everything in between. But these specific issues are always interpreted in light of the unchanging principles that every society needs to respect in order to be healthy and just. These are the basic principles of Catholic social teaching. In today's world, when cultural and political trends are leading so many societies further and further away from the message of Christ, it's important that all of us understand at least the basics of this social teaching. That way we can all engage more wisely in our civic and community lives, always being part of the solution rather than part of the problem. We certainly will never be able to create heaven on earth, though some modern philosophers have tried to convince us that we can. But we are all called to do our part to build a civilization characterized by justice and love. And these principles are our guide. Three of the basic Catholic social principles are so fundamental that the others can be grouped around them. This conference will take a look at each of these three core principles one by one. We don't have enough time to be exhaustive in our treatment, but we can at least lock down the most important concepts. The Goal of Social Living The first core Catholic social principle has to do with the goal of living in society, and it is called the common good. This is a tricky concept, and a lot of modern and not-so-modern theorists have distorted and abused it. Yet we need to understand its proper meaning if we hope to be positive influencers in our communities and countries. Here is how the Catechism defines the common good. The sum total of social conditions which allow people either as groups or as individuals, to reach their fulfillment more fully and more easily. One modern Catholic philosopher has explained this concept in a very practical way. A good society is a society that makes it easy to be good. In other words, 
The goal of social living, from God's perspective, is to create a social environment in which human beings can flourish. That's what we mean by the common good. And it requires three essential elements. First, human dignity must be respected. Insofar as a society violates basic human rights and freedoms by enshrining racism in its legal structures, for example, as Nazi Germany did, it is not promoting the common good. Second, material and spiritual development must be encouraged. When members of a society can't meet their most basic physical needs, like food and shelter, it's much harder for them to flourish as human beings. When they aren't permitted to develop their spiritual potential, as, for example, under Soviet communism, where all children were required to attend public schools that indoctrinated them into atheism, their human possibilities are squelched. And third, peace, which the Catechism defines not simply as the absence of war, but as the stability and security of a just order, needs to be protected and maintained. The common good, then, the social atmosphere that makes it easier for people to live truly good lives, requires respect for human dignity, the promotion of human development, both material and spiritual, and the security and stability of peace. To the extent that these elements are present, the life of the society will more easily lead to human flourishing. That's the first core principle of Catholic social teaching. The Freedom to Flourish The Principle of Subsidiarity Subsidiarity is a fancy word for a simple principle, but it's a principle too often misunderstood or ignored with tragic results. The principle states that a community of a higher social order, like a local or national government, should not interfere with the internal life of a community of a more basic social order, like a family or a parish, depriving the latter of its functions. Rather, it should support the more basic community in case of need and help coordinate its activities with the activities of the rest of society, always with a view to the common good. This is common sense. It stems from the human person's innate need and ability to form societies and communities. Some of these communities are found everywhere because they are built right into human nature, like the family and the state. Others spring from human creativity like universities or country clubs or businesses. But in both cases, mankind's natural socializing capacity should be respected for the same reason that all human rights should be respected, because the dignity of the human person deserves it. Respecting this socializing capacity is called subsidiarity. This may sound complicated, but it really isn't. In communist China, for example... The government passed laws that dictate how many children a married couple is allowed to have. In that case, the government is grossly interfering in the internal life of families. Sometimes, however, in order to protect the common good, the larger society needs to step in, breaking up child slavery rings, for example, or helping provide temporary assistance to communities suffering from natural disasters. But each community within a larger society has its own purpose and its own autonomy. The larger society needs to respect that 
and work to coordinate the activities of all the smaller communities in a harmonious way that safeguards the common good. That's the principle of subsidiarity. Who is my neighbor? The principle of solidarity. Subsidiarity is a dependable landmark along the way to the common good, but it's not the only one. Solidarity is equally important. Solidarity is more like a virtue than a principle. Simply put, as the Church has defined it, it refers to the firm and lasting determination of individuals and groups to promote the common good. It flows from the principle that human beings are meant to live in society, that they can only achieve their full potential by living in society, and therefore, every person should cultivate a vibrant awareness of belonging to a larger community. That awareness will create openness and generosity on the part of individuals and groups towards other groups and towards society as a whole. Solidarity is an attitude that looks on others, all others, as brothers and sisters, not as intrinsic enemies and rivals. Only if each member of society cares about the common good and is willing to work side by side with others to pursue it, can society achieve its glory. When your neighbor's house is on fire, you grab a hose and you help put it out. In its essence, solidarity is that simple. Two other frequently mentioned principles flow from this one. First, what is called in Catholic teaching a preferential love for the poor. This refers to our duty of making a special effort to help those who are in special need, insofar as we are able to. And second, what is called the universal destination of goods. This refers to God's original entrusting of the earth and its resources to the common stewardship of mankind. In other words, the goods that we use, acquire, and possess have a dual purpose. They are meant to help us flourish, but they are also meant to help those around us flourish. This doesn't contradict the human right to private property, as the Catechism makes clear. Rather, it simply means that our goods, along with all the common resources of the earth, should be invested insofar as possible for the benefit of all, out of solidarity. In his use of things, man should regard the external goods he legitimately owns not merely as exclusive to himself, but common to others also, in the sense that they can benefit others as well as himself. That's from the Catechism, number 2404. Conclusion Blessed are the peacemakers. The common good, with its promotion of human dignity, development and peace, subsidiarity and solidarity, these are three core principles of Catholic social teaching that flow from what Jesus revealed to us about our true identity when he was born in a humble stable cave in the little town of Bethlehem on Christmas night. They are principles that the Church continually tries to live out and communicate to our needy world, especially every year on January 1st the World Day of Peace, and the Solemnity of the Motherhood of Mary, Queen of Peace. We should all try to understand them deeply and to apply them to our own lives so that we can be true followers of the Prince of Peace and true builders of His everlasting kingdom. 
You have been listening to The Catholic Perspective, a resource from rcspirituality.org. Please visit our website and check out more great resources to help you pray, learn, grow, and go. Please join our team of digital missionaries by subscribing at rcspirituality.org.